You good to go? Yeah. I'm good to go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, I don't know. still don't know if this is going to be season two, episode two, but I think we're actually episode 21 when we started back in January. You know, we took a little break, and anyway, uh, we're back here with Behind the Brand, and you know, this is brought to you by Direct Line Media and our famous 60-second video, one-price flat-rate video package marketing video. Made simple. Great way to get some video content um, for your business. Anyway, today with me, I have... Uh, Andrew Bachman from Troutbrook Landscaping. Did I get that right? Yeah. Troutbrook Landscaping. That's right. Yeah, you do mostly trees. Yeah, we're, we're mostly trees. So we also have uh, signage and we do business as Troutbrook Arborists also these days. Okay. Because um, we have more than one arborist on the team and we're always training. Everybody who comes in has got a career path towards becoming an arborist eventually. So we give better consultation. We kind of want to brand it along those lines for people. It's a it's next level tree service for people, you know. So uh, first of all, thank you for um coming out we're two days before you know uh, a little break you know christmas yeah it's break nice finally yeah right it's been it's been a long time leading up and and uh as people are out there shopping and doing things which i got to finish up today and um but let's see uh i first got introduced to you uh it was some years ago i think the home design district was doing a little something something in the parking lot of raymore and flanagan over here and you uh had a little setup over there and you're talking about all sorts of different uh, you're talking about trees really yeah and what goes into a tree so that was a while ago um kind of run me through um well, what's your expertise? Are you like that's your specialty trees? I know you do landscaping. Uh, yeah. Run me through that a little bit. All right. So yeah, you oftentimes have to self-analyze and consider your strengths and weaknesses in business, right? As you know, so you can you know hire people or um, uh, to cover your weaknesses and then focus on your strengths. So something that is a, st- a strength for me in the business is um, like the customer interaction and the the literacy that goes into the academic side of tree work and the academic side of marketing and um, you know branding and now the next level for me is um, is uh, management of people so I have to learn skills I didn't have before I had teamwork skills but it's also more you know along the lines of um, management motivation uh, incentivizing and um, and building a team that's a very like uh, acrobatic or orchestrated um, uh, team of professionals who can also deliver like a high quality product in an efficient short period of time you know there's only so much daylight so that's like my strength that's how I got into this is like it, it fit me I enjoy the I enjoy the adventure I enjoy the adrenaline of the tree work um, you never know what you're gonna get each day and it's something that's exciting there's always weather to pay attention to there's always something else on the horizon to look forward to and you know growing I grew up in West Hartford so working in the same town I grew up in it can be pretty boring you know kicking rocks around town all day if you have a regular job but this is no regular job so it's pretty exciting it keeps me energized and enthused there's always something to look forward to and the money's good once you really get into it you know so, yeah yeah that's always yeah. good is this something you've always wanted to do like growing up you're like I want to be you know I want to be an arborist or is this something that's sort of evolved as be you're honest trying to with figure you out? I my, when my parents um, first moved into the house they had a guy in town Jay Bailey take down a couple of trees in the front yard he's still around and um, that was like 1989 and I remember seeing him climbing up in the trees and you know rigging pieces down to the chipper and just thinking to myself how um, extreme it was and how like almost untouchable that seemed it was like watching circus performers you know and I never really thought and envisioned myself doing that type of stuff 
or having a company that does you know two or three crews out in the field doing that type of stuff regularly. But I got into landscaping because I like the fact that it's a it's a it's an industry with a lot of direct consumer connections. I have control of my business entirely. There's not a lot of regulation in the business, and I just I just learned and went with the pathways of what was profitable and sustainable over time. And as it turned out, I entered the, the uh, landscaping business and got into the tree business at, at the right time. There's a lot of storms and. Um, and these trees are also in West Hartford are like 80, 90 years old, you know? So yeah. they're they're in decline or they need a lot of management to persist. So there's there's that cycle going on right now, the replacement cycle. Maybe in the forest they get to be 150 years old, but in the yard, exposed to the elements with poor, poor soil and root conditions, they get to be 90 years old and they need to be removed or heavily pruned. So I just, I didn't really envision doing it, you know? But it's something that like the marketplace taught me and my skills were uniquely qualified for. You know, my dad's an insurance guy, so I'm managing risk over there. My mom's a social worker, so I'm managing people over here. And um, you know, I'm, a, I'm an athlete, and I like adventure, I like, I like competition, so that worked for me. That's perfect. Yeah, so. I remember my first introduction to a tree climber it was in our old place in Clinton some years ago, and we need some trees pruned. And, and it's amazing watching these guys that, yeah. that go up in the tree and climb. Oh yeah. He, there was three, you know, relatively large trees, but, but nothing like some of these giant things we have here in, in yards and, and the guy climbed up the first one I think he had an assistant on the ground or something but he climbed up the first one did his stuff and then and then I think he went from tree to tree without going back down to the ground he just yeah. went straight across and he's moving wires out of the way it was fascinating to watch yeah. some of these climbers what they can do yeah uh, it is really trees. a skill that um people develop over time and I think it's it's like a 15 year skill like a lot of people get into a business and um, you know you can learn and get in mastery after 10 years but I have people who work for me doing it 15 years and there's a significant improvement I've noticed and this could just be anecdotal but it takes time to get all of the experience and all the little tricks and nuances and just the right equipment usage at just the right time to where you can take trees down or trim trees really quickly like you said swinging between trees and then he ties off he knows right where to tie off and exactly how to position himself for most efficiency to prune that tree and then he's already got the next move in mind on the next tree right. it's a lot of freedom up there um, and and it's it's safe too because he knows how to tie in they've experienced um, you know uh, weaker trees before so it's it's a, it's a it's definitely a skill and an expertise. Unfortunately, it's not something you can like easily apprentice in. So you kind of got to get into it and maybe mentor under get a mentor who's somebody who's who's already done it for a long time. But it's not like you go to electrician school, you go to arborist school, you know. So it's um and the tree climbing isn't is really a, a one facet of the arborist uh, skill set too because not everybody does it. A lot of guys just work from the bucket, and um, yeah, it's definitely an interesting deal. So what is like. A lot of tree guys, most that I see, are working from a bucket. Yeah. That's uh, probably safer, I would think, maybe. It's less fatigue, too. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Is it as, a, is, is it as a efficient, if you're an experienced tree climber and be able to do that? Is, it, is yeah. it more efficient, the same efficiency as going up in a bucket? Yeah, sometimes you can't get the bucket where you need to get it, so you have to consider climbing the tree. But you also consider that you know a climber works an eight-hour shift and they're beat. But working from the bucket, you could work 10 hours before mm. you get tired or 12 hours in, that, in some cases. Um, but it's, it's sometimes better to work uh, climbing when you either have tough access or you, you know, you're, you're working with the bucket, but you can't put the chipper anywhere but nearby because the bucket's taking up that space. So you send a climber up and then you can rig pieces down to the chipper. And if it's a, if it's a healthy enough tree, you know, if the trunk's strong, it doesn't give you any extra danger except for just the fatigue of the worker to put a climber in the tree. We prefer to always use um, equipment to, to accelerate and leverage, 
you know, our work to make things go faster so there's more profit in the job. But oftentimes, um, the climbing, it's, it's, it's useful for efficiency, but also it's, it's sort, of, sort of like an art form. So you can clean out the center of the tree, sometimes just as efficiently by climbing. And if it's a cool day out, not super hot, not super cold, it's, it's, it's fine. You know, it's, right. it's, it's good to keep up your chops, too, with the climbing. And also with storm damage, too, sometimes you can't. It's just the climbing makes a lot of sense, and you're doing craning work. You got to put a climber in the tree to cut the piece so the crane can take it out of there. Oh, wow! So that's another part that climbing is coming more into vogue is um, crane work's really increasing in its um, in its like volume. You'll see more crane jobs going on around town because it's a fast way to do tree service. Now, do you do you climb? Have you climbed? Yeah, I climb. Um, I, what I found is I didn't get into it to work towards mastery in it because after a few years um, of one or two days a week, I found that. For me, I would get, um, I have a lot on my mind when I'm up in the tree, and so I would get very tired after the first two days of the week climbing, and then I became sort of useless as a business owner because, you know, I'm beat and I'm spent. I don't want to do all the administrative work when I come home, and I don't certainly don't want to climb the next day. So for me, I, you know, I found that it was something where I take myself out of the tree and I have more energy to do the business owner type of things. So. Yeah, that's um, that, that's that's really true. It's it's hard to be running a business, you know, love doing what you're doing, but you got to make that decision. Am I going to be up in a tree exactly. climbing or or in a or whatever it is doing, and 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 you spend all your energy on that, and then at the end of the day, now you got to go home and and do the books, or you have to like do payroll, or you got to you know market, or you got to whatever you do, and, and you it, you're tired, man. Especially doing something like that is physically and I'm sure mentally draining because you got to make sure you're not cutting in the wrong place. And that's have right. And when you're in the face, yeah. And when yeah. you're like an intermediate at it, you know, which I was for a long time, you um you use up a lot of energy, like paying attention, being alert. Your adrenaline levels high when you're up in the tree. And another funny thing that I found about tree service, and this is like, this is like the big the big um, drag on tree services is that there's so much adrenaline so much up and down with some of these jobs that it's, it's, it can be hard to come down off of it or you notice yourself in your free time hours later getting amped up and excited and angry or too enthusiastic about things um, because you're, you're just, your emotions and your, your physical patterns are amplified. Mm. So um, a lot of guys, they, they have problems with, um, you know, unfortunately in this industry, there's a lot of problems with drug use and a lot of problems with, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say depression, but like, you know, using drugs as a crutch to like feel good, and especially if people have injuries or they're more prone to be vulnerable to that from prior experience. And so it's something that just everybody has to manage their, their own self well in this industry because there is a lot of up and down, a lot of demands from the customers, a lot of, um, you know, storm damage jobs we get and where it's like, you know, high tense moments when you're making a cut. And, um, you know, that doesn't work well for the business owner. Business owner needs to be super steady and um, and also pay attention to make sure the crew's safe. You know, that's another thing too. Yeah, because there's a lot up and down, but it makes things exciting. You know, I wouldn't. I guess I wouldn't have it any other way when I'm young. So yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. Um, how many did you have employees when you first started, or was it you just kind of doing everything? Yeah, it was me. It was always me and a helper or two. So it was just like a pickup truck and a trailer and um, a lawnmower, and you know, <clears throat> we would go out and mulch jobs and. Um, work for people around town people were very gracious um and they would give me a shot you know as long as i was similar price to the landscaper they had used before but then when when the storm started coming around there's opportunity to make a little more money and i felt like i was saving people money at the time 
uh, doing tree service. And of course, you know, you get into it further and further and then you need workers comp because you got people on the payroll. So it just develops organically, you know, and you do, you do tree service one day a week for a couple of years and then you start to do it every day. And next thing you know, you know, you build your credit up and you get a bucket truck and a chipper and then you're in, you, you know, then you're in the thick of it. <laughs> you better pay those things off so you yeah. keep going, you know, so, yeah, you know, about five, six years full-time tree service at this point in time. So before that, it was, it was for, um, you know, just one or two days a week. Yeah. Do you still do like regular landscaping with mulch and grass and things like that? Yeah, only okay. for customers that um, make themselves like really uh, amenable for us. Like they have a project, they're ready to go, and it's a one day of work, and they give us a full day of work we can do on the yard. Gotcha. And, um, you know, it's a local and some, maybe somebody we've worked with before, somebody who knows what they want, because there's just not enough time left anymore for the consultation with the customer, the back and forth. When you do a garden, you got to really spend a lot of time with that customer. Be, your phone has to be on for them, even outside business hours sometimes. And I found that um, I can't, I can't manage that load like I used to be able to. Even though I have the horticultural certifications and you know I know my plants and I, I've done that for so many years that um, it's it's one thing or the other. You got to specialize really. So. Did you have a hard time starting to say no to folks? Like, hey, oh, can you? Yeah. yeah, and you still probably have a hard time. Oh yeah, it's always a hard time. I, I have to go through a logical process in my head. And think through, you know, the number of hours, and do I really want to shift our focus to go do a landscape project, even though it seems profitable, because we have so much tree pruning to do over here. So it's just it's always a process of like convincing myself to continue to be specialized in what I know how to do. Yeah, because so. it's I guess you're looking to the future too. It's like where where do I want trout brook to, to be? Do we want to do both? We want to really, I and mean, if yeah. you're really focused on the tree service, you yeah. got to focus on the tree service. Yeah. yeah, and and you know people expect that an arborist can provide some consultation and. Um, some tree planting I went, you do that as well the, yeah the... actually where we met first I was giving away trees as part of like an initiative I'd gotten local businesses to donate like five thousand dollars and then I put in a couple thousand we bought like 70 trees and I get to see some of those trees around town they're already like 20 feet tall wow. so it's pretty cool um, but we do tree planting for people the better the smaller trees are better like six to nine foot because um, they don't have such a big root ball they used to plant trees um, with just bare roots, so they didn't have, didn't have that big root ball that weighs like 400 pounds that you need equipment or three guys to go put in the ground. It was just, um, they would uh, basically like dig out the root system with a pickaxe and wash it off and stick it in the truck and within a couple of days they would plant it. They'd keep the root system moist in a burlap bag and your horse and buggy would go around town and deliver trees and plant them for people and it was very easy to transport the trees because I mean, back then you got to figure a lot of people knew about um, plant husbandry and um, agriculture so it was a, it's you know it's a lost skill these days mm -hmm. but um, they were, it was easy to plant bigger trees back then and these days you got to buy a big root ball so we try to keep the root balls to a, a reasonable size because um, we want to uh, you know make sure that the tree can thrive and we don't have to charge a whole lot of money to bring it to the site because it can be like two thousand dollars to plant a tree in your front yard you know and it's like it, it just becomes like unaffordable for a lot of people who deserve to have trees so but if you go down to the local nursery and you buy a tree in a big pot like a seven gallon or a 10 gallon pot maybe the root ball weighs 40 or 50 pounds you can you know and, and if you have an suv you could probably open a window and stick the whole tree in the suv um or we could pick it up for you and deliver it for you and when you plant it it it's ready to take off right away all those roots are contained in that pot and it's ready to take off, meaning that it'll grow quickly. It won't be stunted because it's just been cut out of the ground into this big root ball. So um, it can take two years for those type of bigger trees, like 
13 foot trees to establish and actually start growing in the environment. And by that time, the little potted trees almost caught up to it. And you paid, you know, you paid 200 bucks as opposed to 2000 bucks, you know, so it's, there's a, it's a, it's a nuance to planting trees, but I really encourage people to plant trees. Of course, the best time to plant trees is 20 years ago, right? So the second best time is today because, you know, in, in even just five years, like since we, since we met, you can really have a nice established tree that can be pushing like, you know, 18, 20 feet. So, yeah. Yeah. What about if somebody's moving and they have a, a, a tree, maybe that they planted five years ago and they, it's like, you know what? I really want yeah. to have trees. That's something you do. Like go in and oh, dig up somebody's hard. tree and bring it. You know, there's a market for that in like Westchester County and Fairfield County where people can pay like four or 5,000 bucks to like root, root excavate the tree with, with pickaxes and an air spade and do it the bare root style like, like they used to. But I'll tell you, it's, um, it's so hard to get a tree to transplant because it spreads its roots so far and so vast in, in five years that um, you know, you're really um, you're cutting a lot of roots no matter what you do. And um, it just takes a lot of effort and time to, and then you might, it's, it's not 100% um, expectation of success no matter gotcha. what you do. So. Now, can you take, um, same kind of thing, can you take like certain plants that you can take like clippings and like put it in some dirt yeah, and that's sprout? Cool. Can yeah. you do that with certain trees? Yeah, there's, there are trees you can do that with. Usually it's trees that are more of a variety that has most of the trees in their family, but it's a classification in the family, that are tropical. So trees that, have a, that come from like um, a, um, of course you can, you can do cuttings with a lot of fruit trees too. But if you consider fruit trees, most of the um, tree, most of the species in those families are like more, um, you know, middle latitude type of trees from tropical regions, and they're they're easier to sprout by cuttings. Uh, there's processes, there's little hormones you can use and grafting techniques, um, but you can do most things with cuttings. But the easier it gets, easier as you go into the families of trees that come from the tropics. But it's just not very common in um, in this area. And it's like I said before, it's a lost art mm-hmm. tree husbandry. Um, they used to propagate apple trees by cuttings, and some people are still really into that and do that. But it's become more of the purview of like the lab um, and the, the big nurseries that have like little labs inside of the greenhouses where they do that gotcha. type of stuff. So the average person, it's difficult. It's a lot of trial and error before you can get good at it. Yeah, I know my son. Um, well, I think he has some. Um, some traits of my father-in-law who's yeah. he's never trained for it but he's just has this sense of you know how things grow and what to do to make them grow and and my son has been trying things he's 23 now and uh yeah he's pretty good he had a vegetable garden he's kind of figured things out for himself and he grows better things than we do so yeah know. yeah but it's it's um, some people have a green thumb yeah yeah no sure. we don't i mean i can water stuff but yeah you know whatever yeah um uh, so you, you, why Troutbrook? Like why Trout? What was that? Because just yeah. you lived on Troutbrook. Your office yeah. is there. It was. I yeah. know Troutbrook is a big thing in in West Hartford. Yeah, people uh, know the association and yeah. the names. Was that was that part was that part of it? Definitely. Um, yeah. Well, I can't. I stumbled upon the name. It was a little bit long. You know, Troutbrook plus landscaping. But I was thinking about a place name. I always wanted to do a place name if I started my own business. And um, it's kind of subtle because it's not really like West Hartford. You know, but it's it, it's 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 not like a name of a town but it is the name of a road and a stream that goes through town. And people associate the stream with nature, you know? And so I've always grown up along True. Trout Brook. So I, yeah. I used to walk my dog down there. And the funny thing is there's more there's more underneath the surface that you don't see. So my last name is Bachman, yeah. which in German means um, man of the brook. 
like fishermen. Oh, get out. Yeah. All right. So, you know, Trout Brook, you know. So it all kind of works. Yeah. And then my, my, my first name's Andrew, which is like, Andrew is a fisherman also, St. Andrew. Okay. And, um, and he's one of the apostles. So all there's, right. there's like an extra level association. And my, my family on my father's that. side was all fishermen, you know, going okay. back a ways, okay. hobbyists, but yeah, still yeah. fishermen. So. Yeah, it's um you know, but it has a, more associations. Like the fisherman is like kind of like a a concept that's not just you don't have to be along like a, a sea and fishing for fish. You can be fishing for um, fishing for relationships with people, fishing for customers. You know, it's like yeah. you're asking and you're receiving. You know, you're casting yeah. your net and you're you're taking it in. So that's kind of like the underlying like deeper meaning of the business name. But you know, people people associate Trout Brook with um with with the Trout Brook park areas you know so i know you're trying to keep most of your business focused in west hartford the immediate area is that still the case i know that you're you're kind of a push you kind of want to stay very local instead yeah. of spreading out too far what's the reason for that uh, it's just unique to i think it's unique to my business or maybe any business that's on the road a lot um you you'd mentioned to me earlier that um you know somebody in your family was recently involved in an accident and it just seems we can't go more than a couple of years with it without um, an accident, whether it's a fender bender that's our fault or whether it's you know no fault or somebody else's fault. It's just there's a lot of uh, liability on the roads. I think mm. that's the biggest liability. So what I, what I thought to myself over time is just the less I have to worry and pay attention to people going farther away with big trucks full of wood or wood chips, um, the better rough we are as we grow. And then as we grow and get more systemized and turn off for all the vehicles to new vehicles, which is in process right now because we're you know we're finally at that stage. We can think about going a little bit further out, but also there's a lot of customer interaction, so you have to be available for people. So when you go too far away, you can't just show up and you know trim another tree for them. You know, right. so it's tough. You got to make sure that your um, customer service is um, is honorable. You know, and you have to stay close for that type of thing. So. How many crews do you have that can go out at the yeah, same day? Typically, we do four. Yeah. On a typical crew, two people, three people, wood chipper, bucket truck, like sort yeah. of what's the typical tr- Yeah, crew like three or four people on the tree crew, a couple people on a pruning crew. Pruning crew is pretty cool. You only need a couple people. One guy goes up and one guy like puts the stuff through the chipper and you take two trucks with you. And then, um, you know, landscape crew could be two or three people putting some mulch in or putting in a new lawn for somebody, planting a couple of trees. And they might may or may not take equipment with them. Um, and then we have like a stump cleanup crew, you know, stump grinding and then cleanup. That's usually two people. So it could be one person too. So you all sorts of different jobs going yeah, on. Yeah, it's a lot day. going on. Taking you know, down just, trees, pruning trees, stumps. And yeah. you just pick and choose from the spreadsheet what's what's to be done throughout the day. So. Do you have certain guys, do, does, does all your, do all your guys do everything? Or are some people more adapt to just kind of doing Yeah, that's interesting to say that. Unless there's an impediment to it like some of the hispanic guys aren't very literate in english in their in their 40s and it's just not going to change unless i make a huge effort um, so those guys don't do like the sales or the as much customer interaction although they still do a lot of customer interaction but other than that it's like wide open and cross train everyone and everything yeah smart so it becomes like everybody learns the expertise right now there's a couple of people in training for um tree groundsmen and i have a four-hour video series that i've created that also awesome. training on that so yeah i think that's smart i always found that you know you know, this one person you may want to use him for whatever, you know, thing because he's that's what he's really good at. But it's always good to make sure he's adept at really everything because yeah. down the road it's yeah. just easier to schedule people. If somebody guy calls out exactly. sick or whatever like that, it's like okay, I got to shift yeah. you around and you right. Know, and you can keep people employed. You keep too, people employed. Way. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really important. Building them up. Yeah. yeah, they may not like it sometimes. Like I don't like doing that. It's like well, it's this or stay home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, you got to see it. Make yeah. it a positive for yeah. yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. 
No, that's good stuff. Because I remember um, when I was working in TV, um, they didn't. They, they did some training back when I first started, but it started to slow down as far as really cross training. And I was, I was like, why don't you just yeah like train everybody on everything? That way, it'll just make your life easier. If somebody, if I call out sick or somebody, I just call them and say, hey, you got to do yeah. audio today. There's right? so much responsibility and even liability in having employees to begin with. If you're gonna have some people and keep them employed every day, they they should be able to do everything yeah. over time. Are all these people employees, or they have, or you have contractors? Yeah, they're almost. I, everybody that goes out with us every day is an employee okay. but we have other people like the stump guy that comes in just a couple of days a week and he's an outside contractor gotcha but he would appear to be an employee to our customers gotcha so. yeah so he'd go out in, in a, yeah. your marked vehicle or if you have some sort of a unmarked shirt. vehicle usually his own you know? oh okay so he'd yeah. go out and, so he, but he wouldn't show up in his like he sometimes drives our vehicle, but it's it's like it's would, loose. But most of the time, it's in his own. But he wouldn't he wouldn't show up in his own yeah marked lettered vehicle. Yeah, I got you. Got yeah, you. yeah, yeah, because that confuses people. Yeah, it could confuse people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, it's yeah. yeah, it's good branding to yeah. keep it like that. Yeah, you've been good with branding. Um, is this something yeah. that you learn on your own? Have you just oh. trial trial and error? Oh, Have you I've talked studied. to people? Yeah. yeah, you've studied. I got the books. You know, yeah. I got a whole bookshelf on it. So. Um, I actually do. I can pack a whole bookshelf with 30 books on like marketing and branding. Okay. Very exciting. I got involved with um, Dan Kennedy organization and the Keller Williams organizations. And they're two like basically consulting and self-improvement companies. They're like coaching companies. And you might think of Keller Williams, oh, it's a, it's a real, right. realty company. But um, they, actually, they actually have a slogan. Keller Williams is a coaching and consulting company that happens to be in realty. So I got involved with um, all of their programs and you know, I got bought the books, Gary Keller's books. And, um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of awesome self-improvement concepts. It's, it's like principles for living and principles for business. And you can, you know, it's the type of thing you could earmark and come back to again and again throughout Mm -hmm. your life. Um, as I got to be more proficient in those things, then I started to see where I could apply them in this strategy in my business. And I've still... I'm at, I feel like the beginning stages of really being able to apply a lot of those concepts in my business um, because they're, they're studied from people who have you know, 30 or 300 person businesses and what works and what doesn't over the course of decades. And here I am, you know, person, I, when I first entered the class with three employees and I'm learning stuff that I may not even apply for years to come, but taking notes in my journal. So I have so many good things to come back to, to like make decisions about the future. And um, yeah, it's it's exciting. I, I would just highly recommend for anybody to get involved with um, with a really tried and true like service. If you're in the service industry, um, some branding and marketing, but it's like next level, like counterintuitive is the, is the keyword there. So it's stuff that you wouldn't think works, but it does. Like direct calls to people four times a year. That's what Kelly Williams is all about. Even more often than that, or Dan Kennedy, he's about writing a sales letter and mailing it to people. But not having it be just like a simple um, your display of your services or a one-page sales letter. Have it be like four pages or even better, have it be eight pages. Because people are going to buy from you and spend four or $5,000 on a big landscape project or tree project. They're going to want to read for an hour if need be to make the right decision. So if you give them that information up front, you're already building a relationship with the customer. But it's counterintuitive because who would think that anybody's going to read an eight-page sales letter when you send it to them? But I mean, the people that do are like your friends and your loyal customers. When they call you up, they're already ready to do business. 
how do you know who to send something like that to? Because that's, yeah. that's paper, right? That's mail. So yeah. how do you know? I mean, is it just everybody in West Hartford or do you have, do you know yeah. exactly where to go with that? Yeah, well, I'm always learning and I'm always trying to figure out better, but I've gotten pretty good at it. So I choose, now I'm choosing streets that have trees or like a little bit of a larger property and that might more likely have tree cover, which you can actually cross-reference on um, Google Maps, right? So I know the towns, I know the streets in West Hartford. And so I'll mail like the whole street on like Soulgrave Street, for instance. It's a, it's a street with a little bit of an older home, like 1910, 1920, and um, really tall original trees that may have been there even before the houses were built. There's just a lot of need for pruning and tree service on Soulgrave Street, right? And it's when you get into those, a little bit of a higher end neighborhood, even within West Hartford, like Soulgrave Street or some steel road has a similar look to Soulgrave Street, the neighbors, they really talk talk to each other about what contractors they use. And so you're more likely to get a referral. So it's better in more ways than one to do direct targeted marketing to the people that are most likely to use your services because they have they share the information with each other too. So we'll mail like the whole street and we'll do like a three-part mailer. You know, one of them will be a nice long sales letter and a couple of follow-up postcards. And, um, and just save that list and maybe even revisit that list next year or two years later because any communication you do with the people it's it's just more um you know more more touches more they're more likely to use you on the fifth time they they get in contact with you than they were on the first time and the other thing we do is we get the new homeowners list in west hartford and i don't do like um the valpac stuff um so it's not traditional advertising it's more like i said like a direct mail piece or i'll send the news my newsletter to the people who are new into town and honestly, I get like a 10% response rate from that type of stuff that I just talked about there. Mm-hmm. And that's across like just blanket random people. I'll do a 10% response. That's over the course of about a year to 18 months. Wow, okay. It's pretty It's pretty phenomenal. I don't yeah. think there's any other type of marketing like that where you can get a 10% response rate just by like mailing randomly, but targeting it a little bit. Yeah. So is this something... Like you would mail out once a year, for instance, like you do the, like you said, you did the, like the, 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 eight, the, the eight page yeah, and then you would do a couple follow-ups. So yeah. would you hit that road again, maybe the following year yeah, with the same sort of, obviously different content, but yeah. the same. Yeah. You got to cross-reference it for the 10% of people that actually called you. They call don't you, need yeah. to be contacted anymore. They right. go on the regular newsletter list, right? Gotcha. I mean, it's like building an Oh, empire. that's a good, that's a good thing. So, it's, so it really once is. they, once yeah. they contact Anybody. you, yeah. you put them on a regular newsletter. Yep. How frequent is that? Uh, my, I currently do. Um, because I, I signed up for a service, I do monthly print newsletter. It's four pages, and I don't think that's necessary monthly. Personally, I think you could do quarterly. It's a bit, maybe a little bit more affordable as long as you supplement it with an online element, like an email to people also. So if you do email at least monthly, you're good. And if you do like a quarterly newsletter, I think that's sufficient also. And um, but yeah, at least have both of those. So at least do monthly, whether it's email or. or because not everybody opens email, but everybody has to look at the newsletter before they throw it away. Yeah, that's <laughs> so. that's that's true. Yeah, I don't know how many people look at their emails before they put them in the trash. Yeah, who writes all the content? Is that is that you? It's a combo. So I have a ghostwriter at a company that I use called Newsletter Pro, mm-hmm. and they write about half the content, um, or they use stock articles from before, and I, I write the other half of the content. And now it's t- toned down to I only write a quarter of the content because I can just reuse old articles from two or three or four years ago and just stick them in and I'll just write like one new article that's relevant to today's time. So it's like your first couple of years is really time consuming but yep. then the longer you do it you yep. can start to reuse stuff from you know five or so years ago exactly. which is nice. Yeah and then just try to keep relevant like if, for instance, if we had a storm like maybe for instance this recent snowstorm we had or the snowstorm back in October I don't know how many years ago that was that knocked down 
yeah a tree under my house anyway yeah lots of other people so yeah so it'd be stuff like that yeah you could reuse whatever you wrote back then for the next storm because people have a short memory you don't remember exactly the day and the time i remember it it was like life-changing to have a big huge ice storm come through town but like that was right yeah that was right at when you started 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 tree service yeah wow so yeah it's interesting how that how that works it's like and you can you can draw a parallel to like economic crises and stuff too like if you remember how how things went down the last time it went down you could do pretty well because people's memories are short you know yeah and um i know mine is you know and like it doesn't last set like when this whole thing happened recently with the financial coronavirus financial crisis and the the banks weren't prepared for it as usual um and the stocks went down it was just the same thing that had happened in october of 2008 and i was like you know looking at it i was like oh this is going to happen this is going to happen and yeah. this is going to happen so it was interesting to like the same thing with storms you see a storm comes through you know people are going to f- have a certain reaction to it and um i know how to proceed with it because i have my notebooks from the last storm you know that's nuts so yeah it's interesting has um have you seen an uptick in business with coronavirus people being home oh, and being so like weird yeah we have it's trim- it's just amazing so it, people have no qualms about hiring a tree service outside and, you know, there's still a lot of baby boomers up in Connecticut. And they may be staying here because they have grandchildren in the area or they may be preparing the house to move somewhere else. Um, I don't know if you're a baby boomer, but you're like, mm. you're like uh, even the next generation, is our, some people are in that yeah. boat. So the thing is that there's just a lot of people who are thinking about and ready to spend money on tree service with coronavirus because they're not traveling and they're not spending money. This is my perception anyways. They're not spending as much money elsewhere. Yeah. And um, with True. the storms coming through, you know, there's a little bit of stimulus that maybe helped people, you know, make grease the wheels a little bit for people spending money in the economy. But I don't know what it is. I expected it to be like a regular year or worse year, but for whatever reason, it's been a good year. So. Yeah, I hate spending money on trees. I know it's because so it's just like it's so expensive, and then you don't get much from it. <laughs> you do. I mean, you don't get anything, right? You get stuff just taken away. Maintain, yeah. yeah <laughs> but yeah. it's a ma- it's a maintenance <laughs> thing, and it's a, and it's important though. But but after it is done. Um, you look at the tree like oh that looks better yeah like it does it's it really you can see the difference all the yeah. dead stuff's out of there all those weird shoots that coming out down the lower part of the, all that stuff's cleaned up so it does it does look nice and then you just gotta get rid of the stump yeah so, yeah, yeah yeah we try to we try to make things real efficient today we're doing two huge trees in the front yard and when i first started you know i would only be able to do one huge tree in the front yard but we'll probably be out of there you know knock on wood by 3 p.m today but because we're just moving literally twice as fast as yeah. when I started five years ago. So we, we give people an amazing value, yeah. you know what I mean? That's the idea so that, they, yeah, they're spending a lot of money, but when they see what goes on and how nobody had a, adult, nobody had a, a spare moment, you know, everybody was moving the whole time we were there. And it's just, we want to leave people feeling good about the money and then, and then you're done. It's not like they have this yeah. mess sitting in their no, yard. It's, it's done. You know, yeah. all night and then they come back yeah. the next day or maybe it rains the next day. So you yeah. can't come back. You got to wait. Yeah, I don't know how thing. you work in the rain. But yeah. but I think having, I remember um, unrelated, but, you know, uh, we we're looking to get our roof redone. It was the same kind of thing. Um, we use this roofer and he says, yeah, we're going to come in and we're going to do one section. We don't, they said, we don't tarp. Like we do a section and we finish it before we go home. Because we, you know, it's just it's you know we don't want to tarp. It's there's a risk of the tarp failing and whatever if mm-hmm. there's bad weather. So I was like, that just that, that makes sense to me. Like you come in, you do a section, you finish the job, and then you yep. come back and you do the other section. That's sort of the same thing. You go in, you do the job, yeah. you finish it, and then you leave, and it's done. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, so as I've become more efficient, I never tried to think about it like tree service in the past because this is what I learned in the branding and marketing courses. You want to actually be in a business with high barrier to entry where there's 
um, no competition, right? Where it's not like you're, it's a race to the bottom on price. So you got to sell yourself as um, as maybe even a premium service. So, but what we've done recently has gotten more efficient. So yeah, oftentimes we we actually do really compete on price, and not only that, we're in and out in a day. And it's safe. All the guys wear hard hats. They're trained. You can communicate with anybody on the team. You know, no, nobody, nobody's joking around on the job site when they, when they shouldn't be. And it's just, I watch other tree crews around town, and I know they don't do the same trainings we do because I don't see them at the trainings, you know. And, um, and it's just, it's a different level of service. But hopefully it's the same price. Or it's within like 100 yeah. bucks, And then you're paying 100 bucks, so you don't have to look at the wood sit in your yard for a week because you yeah. do it out the same day. You know, yeah. or, or the next day at the latest. Yeah, I mean, I've seen that a lot. Maybe the maybe the homeowner wants the wood, so they said, "Hey, can you?" Can yeah, you leave give it? them a discount. Yeah, but but I've seen like these huge pieces. A tree is is cut up. Either it fell down and got cut up or something. But then it sits there for another two weeks yep. in, in this dude's yard. I'm like, what? <clears throat> what do you do with all that wood? And that's un, it's an unseen <laughs> thing when you when you get yeah. a price for tree service, right? Yeah, there's that aspect of it. But companies that are like a little bit loose with that aspect of it, they're loose with other parts of the business too. Yeah. And you don't notice it, but I notice it. Like the little things, like um, you know, setting up a bucket truck on too steep of a slope or not wearing a harness when you're up in the bucket truck. I mean, these things are out, like outrageous, you know, to somebody who knows what they're looking at. And homeowners don't know. Yeah. But um, you know, it's 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 a tough industry. You got to constantly train people, and if you have a good crew. Like I do now, I'll stick with it and knock on wood. Everything's going to keep going safe and, and yeah. well for a long time. But um, but there's yeah, it's just it's a hustle, you know. And a lot of the companies that are out there, they do they do know how to technically and accurately do tree service because they've been doing it a long time. They have the experience, but they're playing loose with a couple of things. So they because the, their model is, oh, I want to be the cheapest guy and get the most work. So they they tell you it's going to be two weeks and we'll be there, but it's really going to be eight weeks and they'll be yeah. there because they just want to fill up the schedule, you know? Yeah. And um, I don't think you operate that way. No, we don't. You yeah. try to be upfront with people, you know? And yeah. I'm like, it, it bothers me to have any type of reputational risk when it comes to tree service. So I always want to be, you know, above board with people about yeah. that type of I stuff. Think that's really, I think that's really important. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things I try to, I try to be as honest as I can yeah. with people and treat, I, yeah. I hate using this word, but transparent with folks of what's going on in my business, what's going on with your product oh, yeah. and why, you always have been, why yeah. it's going to be delivered at this time and, and so on and so forth. You know, I just got this because this is what we have to do. This is why it's happening. So yeah. I have found that's always better to, um, you know, if you're experiencing a problem, you know, be upfront and say, hey, we're having a problem yeah. rather than like just try to make something up or not say anything yep. it just that always backfires yeah and, and you know you end up working with the customers that want to work with you and that's easier life you know yeah, Anyways, yeah absolutely more money yeah too. absolutely how are we doing on time it's i know you got an appointment after this it's about a quarter after 10 uh yeah we could do like 10 more minutes if yeah, there's cool. anything else here all right yeah man we can keep going okay, okay. um so uh plans for the future you're going to stay in trees actually before we get to that um technology obviously has changed and i know you had a, a a new piece of equipment that you were touting a couple of yeah. months ago. What's that all about? Yeah, it's a crane with a grapple arm on the end and a chainsaw attached to the grapple arm. So you can go into it, uh, set up next to a tree, reach up with the crane, grab a piece, cut it, bring it down, and put it on the ground. So it's like it does three jobs in one, right? It's like it's like the climber, it's the rigger because you don't have to use a rope, and it also puts it in the chipper. So it's um, it's called a grapple saw crane. And I bought a smaller version, so I can't use it on every tree. But when we can use it, it's pretty phenomenal. Like we did seven pine trees in a row, um, and it would easily would have been a two-day job, and I did it in one day with this machine. So it speeds things up about double. Now, is that something you'd want to use for pruning or mostly just for taking a tree down? For mostly removals, yeah. Okay. I'm about to run out of here in the afternoon and use it for um, 
I take the grapple arm off and I just use it as a crane when I have a big chunk of wood hanging over a driveway or over a house okay. that you normally have to like rig down with the ropes and it's really heavy and hard on the ropes and um, you can just pick it up, put it back back in the truck. So, That's amazing. Yeah, it speeds things up a lot. Very expensive, you know, there's a barrier to getting that. You have to have you know, credit or save up a bunch of money. But Is there like, um, I'm sure you have to have some sort of a certification or license in order you would to do think what you so. do? You would think so. So in, unfortunately in Connecticut, um, arborist laws are barely even enforced at all. So crane usage, um, there's a, a loophole where as long as you're not using, as long as you're not working with building materials, you don't, you don't actually have to have any type of crane certification. Get out. It's wild. I mean, it's wild. But, um, but what, you have to have a license to like fly a, a drone. Yeah, there's like, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> wow. There's like, there's like a weekend course, which is like the bare minimum. And um, I think you're, you're supposed to like show that you're in process with that or you've completed that, but it's, it's really, really simple and you can do it on, I think you can do it online now. But, um, you know, then there's a more extensive kind of like multi-day course you can take. Um, and But for people who work with building material, you have to have like um, a, an apprenticeship or a journeyman period. I don't know what the terminology they use, but it's like at least a couple of years, you know, before okay. you can get a heavy equipment hoisting operating license, as I understand it. And you go to other states like New York, you know, it's like you can't even use it. You can't touch a crane unless you have this type of certification, as I understand it. But in Connecticut, there's a loophole. So it's pretty cool. I bought a small one, you know, and yep. we're just we're, we're getting to know it slowly and over time because yep. it's not the thing where there's much room for error. Is this something sure. that um, obviously you've had some sort of training on it, whether it be formal yeah. or uh, what? Did you go away? Did somebody where you bought it from tell you how to teach you how to use it? Yeah, yeah. The guy, the guy who I bought it from, yeah. he, came, he came by for a whole day and he okay. trained me on the machine. And I spent a couple hours another day with him asking questions about it. Okay. And um, so that was my informal training on the, yeah. on the crane when I yeah. first got it. And funny, when I first got it was um, July. And then we had that big storm in August. Um, you know, which will be a distant memory for people by now, but it's it was a it was a pretty significant a tropical storm for like a couple hours. We got seventy mile an hour winds, and I got to use the crane right away on small stuff. The stuff that was falling, I just lifted it up to make it easier to cut it up. Okay, you know, and then or I put it in the back of the truck. But um, it was a it was a good like throw me right in it, education on how to use that crane, and. Um, I don't know, it's just, it's like the American dream. You get a big piece of equipment like that and you can just go right sure. at it. That's why I like this industry. There's yeah. not a lot of regulation, you know? And, um, you know, I shouldn't say that too bad. <laughs> I, I, you know, I really believe in like, in the free market in a lot of, in a lot of ways, you know, with, so, you know, obviously with common sense management. Of course. But, um, but, but it's, it's really a free market out there in tree service. It's just dangerous work. So it's hard to get into it and learn the, learn the trade. But yeah. It really is dangerous work. My, um, my nephew is uh, it's risky work, not dangerous necessarily, but okay, I, I could see that because if you can manage your risk, if you can manage your risk, then the danger sort of diminishes, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, uh, but he's he's um, he doesn't do anything like that, but he's he's really into sort of uh, working with trees from the ground, so he doesn't go in a bucket or anything. But he's uh, felling know. them, logging type of stuff. Yep, yep, exactly yeah. that kind of thing. So he's been doing that for for a little while. It's amazing. Yeah, guys who are good at felling. They can do a lot of jobs um, with a light bit of rigging sometimes, like pulling, using ropes to pull them over or rig them off of other trees. Mm -hmm. You can do a lot of tree jobs from the ground. Now, West Hartford has a lot of power lines, so it's more mm -hmm. tough to do here. But you go out to Farmington, and guys who are good at felling, um, gosh, it's like you can get so good at that skill, you can like manipulate getting trees to the ground in just the right way with um, 
it's, it's almost like an art form, you know? And you can do trees you would think need to be climbed or need to be like pieced down just by felling. It's, it's, yeah. it's phenomenal. You gotta watch out for septic, obviously, and you gotta watch out for power lines. But, yeah. yeah. So I got a, I got a quick story uh, about that. So, uh, oh my God, maybe t- has it been 10 years, 12 years? It's been, it's been some time. Uh, West Hartford, uh, there's two apple trees in the backyard and one of them needed pruning. So me, I go up with my chainsaw, I take down one limb, no problem, comes down. I was like, oh, I gotta get that one. That's, so I go up, you know, my chainsaw, uh, my, my ladder about 10 feet up, one foot's on the tree, one foot's on the ladder. Really not probably a smart move. Anyway, long story short, um, I, I, I'm cutting the tree with the, with the chainsaw and I hear a crack. I'm like, oh, time to go. And next thing I know, I wake up in the mud oh my with a police officer holding my head Ooh. and another one. So obviously I fell out of the tree, um, you know, broke, I think, four ribs, collarbone, punctured a lung. Yeah, I almost cut my ear off. It was a mess, Gosh. but I was okay. Like, I'm here, right? So... So I'm healing, and um, there's this other, I, I was out of work for about a month, you know, light duty for another month. So I'm at home, and it's about the end of my first month. And there's this big um, old oak tree that needs to come down. It's way in the back of our yard. So we hired this guy, another climber, a new guy that we found, West Hartford. I don't know, I don't know what happened to him. Anyway, um, he, uh, he, he cuts it down as far as he can, and, and um, I go out there to check it out. Now the wind is kind of blowing. Yeah, it's, I don't know what you know. It's 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 early spring. Wind's kind of blowing, so it's him and another guy, and the tree. I don't know how tall is it, but there's a there's a rope tied off to the top, and the guy's is sawing at the bottom. So what's going to happen? He's going to cut it, and they're going to pull it, make sure it lands where it has to land. So I kind of watch out. I'm kind of out there, and I'm I'm watching it. He says, "Hey, you, you want to help out my guy? Because the wind's now picking up." He says, "You want to help out help out my guy, right?" Yeah. So I'm like, "Yeah, that sounds great." My wife's inside, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, so I'm pulling and he's pulling and uh, the tree, he cuts through, the tree starts to come, but then the wind picks up and pushes it back the other way. Oh my so gosh. we're pulling like crazy. He drops his chainsaw. I've, this is like one of my favorite stories. He drops it, so he runs about halfway uh, across the yard. He jumps up and grabs the rope and that's all it needed with his weight. And, it, it, and the, tree, the tree falls and we're all yelling and screaming, yeah. having a great time. My wife comes and says, what the hell are you doing out here? Yeah. <laughs> but it was pretty amazing. I mean, you could see how quickly something could go could yeah. backfire now the worst that would have happened would have you know destroyed the fence and the shed behind it yeah you know um but uh, you could see it could it could have been much worse yeah uh, so it's it's you know it's that mitigating risk yeah there's um, and, and key exactly like he could have used a bigger back wedge you know there's ways to yeah. prevent it from falling back the other way but yeah. he, he's cowboying it and he yeah. wants to get the job done quick you know yeah. So, yeah. well he got it but yeah. it was it was thrilling man that was uh you know as you know I didn't worry about it. I, I trust this guy, and I was having yeah, a good time pulling on the road. That's a funny thing. It's like sometimes it seems like yeah. the tree guys barely have it under control, but then it's like <laughs> they you know go to ten years without an accident. It's like probably yeah. not going to have an accident today. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Right. No, it's it's a uh, it's an incredible thing. Listen, I know you got to run. Yeah. Um, anything you want to touch on? Well, yeah, I know something you want to touch on. If somebody uh, listened to this and they say, "Hey, man, I want to reach out to Troutbrook. How do they get yeah. hold of you?" Yeah, sure. You can go to the website, troutbrooktree.com, troutbrooktree.com, and um, fill out a, a form for like a quote request. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also we have a phone number, 860-888-8472, We're right here in West Hartford. So, you know, we give estimates within one town radius, basically, of West Hartford. And, um, you know, if we can help people out with assessments of their trees or just general questions about pruning or removal, um, you know, we'd be happy to help, and especially in storm scenarios or if you have a neighbor with a problem tree, 
you know, this is something where um, I have an expertise in it and I feel like I can contribute to the community, even if there's not a sale in the end, just, you know, build yeah. a relationship. Yeah, and I think you're really good with community. Um, just being there and, and, and offering your expertise just um, for people who need to know some things about trees and, and plants and Absolutely. other things like that. And that's 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 really good. I think that's, that's very cool. Thanks. Listen, there's a lot more I want to talk to you about, uh, but I know you got to run, so we're going to have to schedule okay. another time. Sounds good. If, yeah. you're good, if you're good with that. Yep. Sure. Um, and I guess that's it. So listen, man, have a great holiday season. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas and so on and so forth. It's a pleasure. Yeah, good. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad good you stopped questions. by today and let's yeah. do it. Uh, let's do it again. Okay. Sounds All right. Good, cool. Man. See you, everybody.